Hi ho, Silverliners. Welcome back to Lunch Ladies. We hope you're hungry today because we are back with another heaping helping of cloud headlines. And we are aiming to have an exciting tale for you at the end of our episode. So as always, I am Liz Coyne, Managing Editor here, and I'm with the only other person who can make a hairnet stylish, our very own Executive Editor, Diana Gubert. Diana, welcome back. Thank you for having me back, Liz, although I guess I am brain number two. And as hairnets are really a great option for days when your hair won't cooperate and you just can't be bothered, I am for them. You know what else I'm also for? Cloud news. That's good because we've got our usual food-themed news appetizer right here. This time, it's about waffles. Who doesn't love waffles? I love waffles. It seems that Waffle House is teaming up with Oracle Cloud, just Wendy's teamed with Oracle Cloud a few weeks back, to enable contactless payments at its restaurants. Because there is nothing worse than getting syrup all over your hands and not being able to touch the terminal or the credit card signature thing. So this way, there with Waffle House teaming with Oracle, it, you won't accidentally have to get syrup all over your credit card payment system. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, or your wallet or your purse or exactly. your sticky jeans and end up yeah. with a sticky butt. Exactly. <laughs> Waffle House is also teaming up with Oracle to get a better view of their data across all their locations. So they'll definitely be able to know how much syrup you have eaten. I hope they are also tracking the number of waffles I can eat in one sitting because I am going for a record. (laughs) All right. So let's get down to some serious stuff here. Cloud news. So we asked our readers to send us cloud clips, emails, and letters with your views on the cloud market. And would you believe, Dinah, that our readers actually listened? So this week we're going to, yes, they did. So this week we're going to start with some interesting insights from Jeff Hainan over at Deloro Group. I've known Jeff for a long time. I think you're also familiar with him as well. Let's see what Jeff has to say. Uh, For broadband access equipment vendors, the cloud is gradually becoming an important component of total revenue. And there are really two ways that this is happening. Uh, The the first is uh, by providing cloud-based network management, uh, monitoring, and analytics tools for all uh, access networks, whether they're fiber, fixed wireless, cable, et cetera. Uh, And then the the second one is uh, by providing those same services uh, for in-home networks. It's that in-home piece that's happening faster for most vendors, uh, really as the end customers, those service provider customers see an immediate value uh, in making sure their subscribers' broadband and Wi-Fi connections work as advertised. Uh, The access network piece will develop over time, certainly as we move away from this build-out and expansion uh, phase that we currently find ourselves in. Diana, what did you make of what Jeff said? So I see this kind of as a continuation of our discussion from last week, right? So if you haven't checked out episode two, you should go back and do it. But basically, we were talking about whether the cloud could help telecom vendors dig themselves out of the revenue hole that's appeared in their wireless businesses. And I think here in his clip, Jeff makes an interesting point. For all that we talk about the new Wi-Fi management services and network automation and all those other emerging features on broadband networks, that technology all has to come from somewhere, right? And that's the cloud. (laughs) I think that's an unappreciated connection that we don't really cognitively think about too often. What do you make of it all, Liz? No, I completely agree. Everything is coming from the cloud and it is an unappreciated connection. 
I would think, especially now with what's happening in Hawaii. All of those folks in Maui have lost internet connection and the businesses don't have access to the cloud. You're, we covered that this week with an article by Stephen Von Steven about the importance of cloud as a critical infrastructure. And I know you're working on a story about that same topic and what the lack of access for to the cloud means for the businesses in Maui right now. Definitely check those stories out on our site. And I want to move on to our next story that, Diana, you wanted to talk about uh, a conversation you had with Corning. Yeah. So if you guys will humor me for a second, I want to continue on that wireline theme that Jeff put as the first thread in the episode. This actually involves fiber. So I wrote a story this week after speaking to Corning, and what they told me was that Data centers are actually going to need as much as five times as much fiber as they currently have. And all that fiber is going to go to supporting the new servers that are being used for AI computing. And the reason for all the new fiber is that you can't just drop in an AI server. You need to connect those AI servers to one another. And that new backend network, as they would call it, feeds into a front-end network, which is today's cloud computing infrastructure. It is crazy it's wild. Please go read the story. It's really cool. And of course, given their position as a vendor, that kind of forecast is really good news for Corning. And I, I think there are something like more than 2,000 data centers in the U.S. alone. So picture that on a global scale, Liz. Yeah, I'm thinking here in the U.S., 2,000 data centers, that's just AI. But what happens when we get to quantum computing? Is that going to change? Did, did, did Corning talk a lot about quantum computing at all? No, not for this story. But you know what? I did scratch the surface with a quantum computing story recently. I spoke to AWS for that one. And apparently, it's its own beast. It's really cool. But you know what? Maybe it's worth doing some more digging on that front. Mm -hmm. Do we have anything else on our list for today? I did. As I previously mentioned, we talked about how cloud has become critical infrastructure at this point and what that actually means for the threat landscape and regulation. We talked about the cloud outages in Maui, but it's also, I think that what's happened in Maui is a huge wake-up call for the rest of the world and with what to expect from widespread cellular and broadband outages and their impact on communities and businesses. We're approaching hurricane season here in the U.S. There's hurricanes moving up the Pacific coast right now, so typhoons are always happening in Asia-Pacific regions. It's not just weather as we've experienced in Hawaii that wildfires are also a threat. Definitely something to think about there. And whether or not there needs to be regulation around that remains to be seen. I think this, like we said, wildfires are going to be a big wake-up call. So I think there's one one more piece we want to highlight before we move into our usual dessert story of the day. Diana, over to you for that one. Yeah, so I've got one more. This one, I wanted to highlight some work our reporter Dan Dan Jones did this week. He did a piece on the expected market share breakdown for cloud-based standalone 5G workloads. When you think of 5G, you might not automatically think about the cloud, but you should because the new 5G cores, so those are what's required to make it standalone, those are all going to be running in the cloud. And contrary to what you might think, it turns out that hyperscalers are going to be getting only a small fraction of that business. It doesn't seem to make sense in my mind, but according to Deloro Group, they had 2% market share in 2022, and that's only forecast to increase to 9% by 2027. 
That is just amazing. Do we know why hyperscalers are getting cut out? They basically rule out, rule the clouds. So it just seems odd to me. Yeah. So according to what Deloro told Dan, it seems the telecom vendors, for those not in the know, that would be Ericsson, Nokia, those kind of guys. It seems like they just beat the hyperscalers to the punch. So I guess chalk that up as a loss for the time being. Yeah. I want to highlight one more article on the site before we move into our story. And it's about AI hallucinations, which I find really fascinating. As if you go to Silver Linings, you'll notice a lot of our art is generated by the AI tool mid-journey. And we've all had our here at within the team, the editorial team, we've all had our goofy experiences trying to create images using mid-journey. And our editorial in assistant, Michaela Gruber, talked to Cato Networks let's see, their senior director of security strategy about something called AI hallucinations, which refers to when an AI tool turns out an answer that, while it might sound true, has no factual basis and cannot be justified by its training corpus data. It's just, it's really interesting when you think about AI hallucinations as related to using AI tools for critical decisions, because, you know, to preemptively avoid AI hallucinations, organizations using large language models or LLMs will need to be extremely cautious when using outputs from AI tools because of those hallucinations. So definitely, I think that's something for our readers to check out on our site. Diana, do you have anything else to highlight? No, I'm just going to reinforce that. You hear that, everybody? AI is not infallible. Don't (laughs) trust it because (laughs) it might be drunk, okay? (laughs) Or might be hallucinating. Exactly. Exactly. Liz, do you have an anecdote for me? Lay it on me. Come on. I do. So here's the dessert for today's episode. Diane and I have been thinking back to when we were young, and I have an endless number of stories from my first job working at this amusement park in Western Pennsylvania. Some are good, some are crazy. This one kind of falls along the lines of somewhere in between good and crazy. So as many of you know from episode one, I talked about when I was Snow White working at this amusement park and I sat in a little Snow White house. It was a rainy day and I was sitting inside my little Snow White house and a park policeman came up to me and said, Snow White, have you seen the bear? We just got a report that there's a bear near Snow White's house. And Diana, I was like, wait, <laughs> what? Uh, I was like, I haven't You're seen like, a bear. And I just can't <laughs> stand my The bear's not Snow White. I know, exactly. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh my gosh. And the, the park policeman is like, oh, I said, no, I haven't seen this bear. Nobody told me a bear. And this was before cell phones. This was in, I think this was in 1987. No cell phones. We were lucky if we didn't have walkie-talkies. Snow White didn't have a walkie-talkie. <laughs> The best way to communicate with my colleague, Red Riding Hood, up the hill was actually to run up the hill and say, hey, Red Riding Hood. So I was like, he said, don't leave your house. Stay in your house. I'm like, OK, I'm not moving from my house. And he wanders off my fiery tail, little Snow White house with the seven dwarfs, except when Grumpy's arm broke, then there were only six. But so all of a sudden, my friend, who was Red Riding Hood, comes running down the hill and goes, Snow White, Snow White. The bears at my house, the bears at my house. And <laughs> no. I was like, okay, get that's insane. So we like grouped it together and ran off to the front registration desk. And then they had to bring in the Pennsylvania Department of Natural Resources. Oh, sure no. enough, the bear like wandered into her little red riding hood house and then it 
climbed a little tree by her house and then they had to shoot it down with tranquilizers and it was a very exciting day. And you know what? Because you lived in a fairy tale park, Liz, we're going to say that the bear lived happily ever after in the woods. It did. It did. (laughs) And they they tagged it and they fed it back out into the wild. And would you believe there were stories about in the paper about that bear still five years later, they were still tracking that bear. It kept getting into trouble and going to people's neighborhoods. It was very interesting. (laughs) Exactly. This is a great first job. So before we go, I just want to give our listeners a few reminders to definitely check out us at silverliningsinfo.com. And don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. We are on LinkedIn at Silver Linings and on Twitter at Go Silver Linings. And you can also subscribe to our Thursday newsletter. We have a Telco Core Strategy Summit coming up on September 18th. That is a virtual event. You can register for that on our website. We're preparing to roll out our first ever Cloud Innovation Awards in September, and we're about to launch an exciting in-person event schedule for December. Stay tuned for more info on that, and be sure to join us next week for our latest episode. Diana, over to you for our credits. Credit sequence, here we go. This podcast is written and hosted by Elizabeth Coyne and Diana Gouverts, edited and produced by Matt Rickman. With special thanks to today's guest, Jeff Hainan. And that's all for this week, you guys.